You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Hey, Creek family. How are you? Man, it's such a privilege to be with you guys today. And, uh, you know, this weekend, some of you may not know this, but we had Freedom Weekend is going throughout this weekend. And I'm so excited to see people set free from oppression, set free to walk in newness of life, set free to advance the kingdom. And, um, you know, I'm so awesome, so proud also to just be a part of a church that values getting people set free. I mean, that's right. It is, uh, it's been amazing. So I have a few questions to uh, start today for you that I think everybody at some point asks at least one of these questions. And so here's the questions that I want to pose to you. Have you ever asked the question, why do I exist? Why am I here? Why now? Why during this point in time? Why not 100 years ago or 100 years from now? Why do I live where I do? Why not in another city or another state or even another country? Why, why here? Why do I have the skills and talents that I have? Why do I have the relationships that I have? Why, why was I born into the family that I'm in? Why the, the birth order that I'm in? Why do I work where I work and have the career that I have? Why am I at the creek? Or why am I here today, Right? These are questions that I think everybody have asked at some point or another just in regards to who they are. And I hope by the end of today that you will have the answer to all of these questions. Because I think there's one answer that will answer all of these questions. And so before you leave today, if it's not clear, come ask me. All right? (laughs) I would like to pray before we get started. And I'm just going to ask that you would just open your heart and your minds to receive what God wants you to hear today. Is that okay? God, thank you for today. Thank you for just who you are in your greatness, in your strength, in your knowledge, in your power. Thank you for having a plan for each and every one of us. Thank you from the beginning of time till the end of time, you're in control. Thank you for your son, Jesus, who gives us a way to you. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who gives us power and teaches us and leads us. I pray today that you would just be present in this room and speak to every one of us personally. All for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Over the past several weeks, we've been doing a study, uh, the solas of the Christian faith. There's five of them. They're, the solas mean this. Solas means alone or only. And um, it, would, it really originated back in the 16th century. There were some reformers who came in and said, hey, we're going to kind of look at some of the things that the, the Catholic Church has been doing. And we contradict it because we feel like these things alone is what we should be building the foundations of the faith and walking with Christ in And the Catholic Church seems to have added some things to it. And so they reestablished back in the 16th century, hey, we're going to say these five things alone. The first one that they said alone was the sola scriptura, which is scripture alone. And then the second was sola gratia that we studied, grace alone, which 
Grace alone brings salvation. Grace produces glory to God. And then the third one was sola fide, which is faith alone. Not by works, not by anything that we could do. Otherwise, we could brag on it and take from God's glory. And then we talked about solus Christus, which is Christ alone last week. He is the way. He is the truth. It's the gospel, the good news. No one can come to the Father but through Him. He alone. And so this week, we're going to kind of shift gears and look at the very last one, which is the culmination of all the four put together, which is this. It is sola deo gloria. And what that means is to the glory of God alone. It's all about God's glory. Every aspect of the Christian life is to be seen as giving glory to God. In essence, it summarizes everything that we're to be about. To the glory of God alone needed to be stated by these reformers due to their opposition of what they perceived was kind of unwarranted glorification of the popes and the priests. They were, they were kind of taking glory upon themselves. And so the reformers just came in and they said, hey, it's God's glory alone. Don't touch his glory. Really, that's what they were trying to state in this. John 12, 42 says, Nevertheless, many, even of the authorities, believed in him. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. I think man from the very beginning of time struggles with self-glorification, robbing God of his glory, its fame and fortune. And even back then, some people chose not to walk in the path that, God, that Jesus himself put before them because they feared man more than they wanted to serve God. They liked the glory that they got in the synagogue more than they thought, I ought to be walking and glorifying God. You know what? That that same self-glorification that, that these men way back here had, we all, in some ways, right now, continue to try to do self-glorification. I'm going to give you some perspectives in our culture right here in America, but you can see where self-glorification is very evident in sports, right? I mean, think about baseball. Somebody tell me, who won the World Series this year? The Dodgers did. Los Angeles Dodgers. Okay? And they, they beat the Tampa Bay Rays. And the most valuable player, I mean, just think about that, the most valuable player. It's kind of hard not to be self-glorified when you're called that. But it was the shortstop. Corey Seager was the shortstop that received that. Somebody tell me who won the last Super Bowl. Chiefs, right. They played the San Francisco 49ers. And so they are the world champions, right? Patrick Mahomes was the one who ended up being the most valuable player, right? We all see where kids right now want to grow up and be those athletes and want that self-glorification, right? So let's shift gears to another one. How many know what TikTok is? You old people? I know what TikTok is because I have kids, all right? And I'm not saying that TikTok is all that. It's, it's good and bad like any other social media. 
But did you know there's one girl, Charlie D'Amelio? How did you know that? Because she has 99.4 million followers. That's fame for that person, right? And anybody on social media is like, man, how many followers you have, right? I'm going to shift gears another way. We all think about actors and actresses in Hollywood where people want to grow up and be like those people. I'm going to list some of the top actors that um, uh, a, a site called Ranker said these are the top actors that we, we recognize. Tom Hanks, Morgan Freeman, Samuel L. Jackson, Will Smith, Johnny Depp. Those names probably ring a bell because they're famous, Right? Actresses are these, Scarlett Johansson, Emma Watson, Margot Robbie, Jennifer Aniston, Jennifer Lawrence. So this fame, men and women have sought glory and self-glorification since the beginning of time. And so as we look at that, I also want to let you know since the beginning of time, God has said it's all about my glory. Let's just think about creation. At creation, in Genesis 1, the Trinity was there, all of them. God the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, they were all there. And whenever God created the heavens and the earth and light, the sky, dry land, the seas, plants and trees, the sun, the moon, the stars, living creatures in the sea and those that fly, animals. At that point, he said, it is good. Like he was bragging on himself, going, man, look what I did. And then he created humans, and he said, it is very good, because we were created in their image. So even from the beginning, he's going, man, it is about me and what I do and what I am. And then if you look in Revelation 22, at the end of the Bible, it tells us that Jesus' second coming, and then they, the Trinity, will reign forever and ever. Now, reign means this, means they will be glorified and they will be all-powerful and they will be in charge. It also says that at that time, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We will all be glorifying Him. God opposes the proud and He opposes those who seek to glorify themselves. Let me share a passage with you from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 2. For the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up. And it shall be brought low against all the cedars of Lebanon, which means strength, lofty and lifted up, and against all the oaks of Bashan, against all the lofty mountains and against all the uplifted hills, against every high tower that man builds, and against every fortified wall, against all the ships of Tarshish, against all the beautiful craft that we can build, and the haughtiness of man shall be humbled, and the lofty pride of men shall be brought low, and the Lord alone will be exalted on that day. Let me just tell you, everybody who thinks they're lifting themselves up will be brought low at some point, and he will be the only one who is exalted. We must realize that we are all dead in our transgressions according to Scripture. In other words, man, we're going to be under His wrath. We bring nothing to the table when it comes to a relationship. We're destined to be doomed 
until he provides the answer through his son, Jesus Christ. So we really are nothing. We have nothing. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All means all. But there's good news, right? This isn't a downer message. There's good news which God provided his solution through Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 2, it says this, By the grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Now think about that. So that no one may, may boast. In other words, no one can touch my glory. I provided a way for you to have a relationship, and it's a gift of grace through faith. And when we talk about faith, all we can do is exercise the measure of faith he gives us. We can't generate more faith. All you can do is work the faith he has, and as you do, it grows. So even the faith it takes to believe in Jesus, he gave us that. No one is to steal his glory. It's all about him. Christianity.com says, Glory belongs to God alone. God's glory is the central motivation for salvation, not improving our lives. Though that is a wonderful byproduct, God is not a means to an end. He is the means and the end. What does that mean? Sometimes we think this. We get this gift of salvation, right? It's all a gift. And we get it, and it's for our benefit, so that we have a better life, and we have a, a, an eternity in front of us with God. And it's about us. And really, we've got that backwards. We were given salvation. Yes, our lives improve. Yes, we have a path to run on. But we were given salvation so that we could glorify Him. It's about Him, so that we could be used as instruments for Him. So don't look at this salvation as, hey, here's your gift, now go squander it. Here's your gift so that you can live for me. As I look at this, we get a share in bringing more glory to God by sharing the grace that we have received. 2 Corinthians 4.15 says, For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. In other words, we get this gift. We're now instruments that we can share his grace to others. More people come to salvation. It's all so that he builds more glorification to him. The more people that come into his presence and know him, the more thankful people there are. And so the more honor and glorification, just like we sang a while ago. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26, it says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to the worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God cho chose what is low and despised in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you were in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that it is written, let no one who boast, let the one who boasts boast to the Lord. 
In other words, this. I don't know if you know that the disciples, they weren't like the cream of the crop, right? Like they weren't the best. Some of them had already failed at other things, and God said, hey, I'm going to take all these people, this group, and I'm going to let them change the world so that I will be known. And guess what? I'm not, I'm not saying anybody in this room is not smart. I'm not saying you're not strong. But I'm going to speak for myself. If he can take somebody like me and use me, he can use anybody. And the reason he does it is so that we can't boast and go, yeah, I got that. No, we know ourselves and we know how flawed we are. And he takes us and he transforms us and he uses us. And even though it's for his glory, he lets us have a taste of that. It's not glory in the sense that it's about me. It's glory in the sense that, hey, it feels good when God uses me. When I get to be the instrument in his hand, it feels good that I get to be a part of the kingdom. And it makes me want more of it. So he does say we get a share in that. Once we realize that we brought nothing to the relationship, then it becomes much easier to give him all the glory and be thankful. Once we get to the end of ourselves and realize we're nothing, then it's super easy to go, it's all about you. It's all about what you've done. It's all about what you've done in me, through me, and for your kingdom. Ephesians 1, verse 4 through 6 says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, and he's through all, and he's in all. I think that sums it up, right? Like, I don't think there's any more alls out there. He, he is totally, he is totally in everything. And it is all in his power and his control. Ephesians 1 verse 11 says this, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In other words, we did not pick him, he picked us. He revealed himself to us and he let us respond. So once we realize he, he chose us, we didn't choose him. Not only that, then he takes us into the place where he goes, I chose you and now I'm making you a family member and I'm going to give you an inheritance in my kingdom. What more? I mean, it gets better and better, right? And then he goes on to say, not only that, but I'm going to use you in my divine plan. I chose you, I'm going to reward you, and I'm going to use you for my glory. Romans 11, verse 33 through 36 says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. In other words, this. There's nothing we can give God that he doesn't already own. There's nothing we can say to God that he doesn't already know. 
And there's nothing we can do for God that he can't do by himself. Y'all realize that? Like it's already all his. And so in that, we get to say, hey, it's all your glory. Whatever I get to say or do on your behalf, it's all your glory because I have nothing. So in knowing all this, okay, we've established that it's all about him, right? So how do we respond to this? I'm going to give you three ways today to respond. The first one is to the glory of God alone in worship. We can worship him. And I'm not just talking about on the weekends when we come together and we're singing. That is a form of worship. But I'm going to give you some practical ways to worship him every day. Because it's about his glory through worship. So first... Acknowledge God in everything, because he's in everything, and praise and worship him for everything. Acknowledge he's in it and praise him for everything. Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So guess what? Every day we can get up and we can do this. We can praise him for his love for us that never ends. Others may quit loving us or at least showing us love, but his never ends. His mercies, his forgiveness, his, his uh, overlooking our flaws is, is basically every day. It never fails. We can worship him for that daily. And his faithfulness, even when we're not faithful to him, he's always faithful. And so we can worship him every day and just say, God, thank you for being faithful even when I blow it. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for being merciful to me because it never ceases. Psalm 79 says, Help us, O God of our salvation, for the glory of your name. Deliver us and atone us for our sins for your namesake. So daily we can get up and do this. We can praise him. For saving us, we were on a path of destruction, and he saved us from it for eternity. Praise him for that every day. Also in this passage, it allows us to bring glory to him because he forgives us of our sins. And when I say that, it's not just the sins we committed in the past. It's the sins we're going to commit today. And guess what? If you're like me, you're going to sin again. And he's going to forgive that sin too. Why can we not get up every day and just praise him and say, thank you for for giving me over and over and over again of my sins? Because humans don't do that. There there ends up being a limit for humans most of the time when when you're wronged. For him, we wrong him every day some way and he forgives us over and over and over again. We can praise him for that. Isaiah 43 says, I will say to the north, give up. To the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the end of the earth. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. We are created for a purpose, and that purpose is to worship him and bring glory to him. And that's what he says is, bring my sons and my daughters and let them praise me. We, we should do that daily. This shouldn't be like compartmentalized where it's, it's on the weekends or it's this time. It should just be ongoing worship. 
That's really what worship is, is just praising him. Isaiah 42 says this, Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives uh, breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it, I am the Lord. I am called the peop- I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for my people a light for the nations to open the eyes that were blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. So just think about this. In other words, what he's saying is, I'm the one who saves, I'm the one who delivers, I'm the one who is is, uh, searching out and looking for people to worship me. And in that, man, he doesn't want us to put anything before him. No carved idols, nothing that takes precedence over him. He is a jealous God and he wants our devotion. So the first one was this. Man, to the glory of God alone in our worship. Now we're going to look at to the glory of God alone in our actions. Okay? So we worship him and now it's our actions. Glorify him by living in obedience to him. Luke 9 says, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? In other words, this, everything we do, everything we do, God wants us to bring glory to him. We have a choice of of doing it our way or doing it his way. And, and on the outside, to others, it may look the exact same. If I get up and I say, man, I've got things to do today and I've got to go do this work. And just put yourself in this picture. I've got to go do this. If you're going to do it your way, in other words, you're going to do it in your own strength. You're going to do it for your own ambitions. And then the other side is you might do it for God and you do it for his glory. On the outside, it might look totally the same. But on the inside, the heart condition is this. God knows the difference every day. He knows if you're walking in obedience, if you've taken that cross and you've denied yourself and you've put him first and in all your actions, you're living it out. He knows the difference. I do believe over time, people will see the difference too. When they rub up against you, they will know the difference. Dying to ourselves every day and living for Him. Another way to think about this uh, actions is in 1 Corinthians 10, it says, So whether you eat or drink, or whether you do, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Another similar passage is Colossians 3, which says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. So what do you think this whatever you do means? Somebody's got the answer. Whatever you do. Exactly. Whatever you do, do for his glory. 
whether it's having dinner with somebody, whether it's at your house, whether it's mowing the yard, whether, I mean, whatever you do, do with a heart of gratitude like Pastor Alec was saying earlier, that you have the ability to do it, you have the, the funds to do it, you have the time to do it, and he gave it to you. Do it for him. John 14, 12 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this is Jesus, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. A lot of times we take this passage and we think, Man, Jesus just says if we ask in his name, he'll do whatever we ask. And there, you didn't read this clear enough if that's, your, if that's your logic. Because here's the deal. He's saying that I'm going to go to the Father and you guys are going to do my work. And if you're doing it for the kingdom and for God's glory, and that's your motive, if then you ask in my name, I will do it because it's going to bring more glory to God. He's basically saying, it's all about me. Don't ask for selfish ambition. If you ask because it's for my glorification and for the kingdom, then I am going to answer. That's pretty powerful that Jesus would tell us that, right? He knows our hearts and our motivation. And it must be purely for his glorification when we ask those things in Jesus' name. Because that's why he says we can do it. First Peter says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. To him belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He gives us these gifts and abilities for one purpose. The main purpose is to bring glory to him. So it goes back to whatever we do, our actions, whatever gifts we have, whatever talents we have, whatever abilities we have, we use those on a daily basis throughout the day for his glory. Let me just tell you, the reward will be much greater. It it won't be empty. It will be fulfilling when you do it for him. When we do things in our own strength for our own ambition, it comes up void every time. For him, it's fulfilling when we focus on him. So we've covered first, man, to God alone in worship, to God alone in actions, and now the last one is to God alone in identity. Just who you are. 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20 says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. For you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. First of all, who we are, there was a price paid for us. And it was Jesus' blood that paid that price. We are no longer our own. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. Therefore, we keep it pure. In our identity, in our thoughts, and in everything, this is His. So we have to steward it like it's not ours. I know you're looking at me going, man, he's overweight. We all have something that is refining us in order to put us in a position that we have to really work, like keeping your house clean. It doesn't just happen. 
So this is to be used for him. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We're not our own anymore. We're bought with a price. We've been crucified with Christ. Our identity is in Him, not ourselves. People should rub lives up against us and taste and see that God is good. They shouldn't rub lives up against me and go, man, I don't know about this guy. I should reflect the Lord I should reflect Christ. People should look and go, there's something different because I'm not my own. John 17 says, The glory that you have, been, have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may, not, may know that you sent me and love them even as you love me. Jesus is saying this. He's saying, me and the Father are one. And, and it's beautiful. And then he comes over and he goes, God, I want them to have what we have. I want them to be one with us. And why? The reason, the why is this. So that as people rub up against us, they will see that we are one with God, one, one with Jesus. We're, we're co-heirs with Christ. And they will be drawn to him through us. It's still about him, but he uses us as that instrument to draw people unto himself. Remember at the beginning, I asked you several questions, right? And I'm going to remind you of some of those questions. Why do I exist? Why am I here? Why now? Why at this point in time? Why do I have the family that I have? the friends that I have? Why do I have the skills and talents that I have? Why do I have the career that I have? Why am I at the creek? Why am I here today on this planet? And I hope that you know the answer to that is to bring glory to God alone. That's why he created you for a time such as this. It's totally to bring glory to God alone. If that's our purpose, if we acknowledge that today, then we're, we're forced to do something with it. We're forced to ask the question this, am I bringing glory to God alone in all of these areas of my life? Or am I not? Am I, am I seeking glory for myself that we talked about earlier through social media or through relationships or through fame or fortune? Or am I just selfish and just living for me every day? Because if we were created for all one purpose, which is to bring glory to God alone, and we ignore that, then our life in the way we live is going to be very challenging and unfulfilling but when we get on point and say, here I am, let me be this, this person that brings glory to you in everything I do, whether I'm eating or I'm, I'm working or whatever it is, 
I want you to receive glory. And man, you're part of advancing the kingdom and bringing others to him. And in doing so, you're increasing the glory to him. So, the three things that you can do on a daily basis is you can bring glory to God alone through your worship, through your actions, and through your identity, who you are. And so, I'm going to pray for you, but here, here's the question as we pray. I want you to do a heart examination and go, where am I at with these things? Is my life, is, is my worship, is my actions, is my identity bringing glory to God? That's the question to ask today. Will you pray with me? Man, Lord, first of all, we do glorify you. We thank you for everything good in our lives. We thank you for loving us and having a plan for us with the price that you, you gave your son who bought us with the price of his life. We thank you for that. We thank you for putting us on this planet for a time such as this with the talents and the relationships and the location for us to live for you, to advance the kingdom of God. Now, God, I just pray that if there's somebody today that's listening to this in person or online who's never given their life to you in the first place, never said, here I am, use me. Here I am, I want a relationship with you. They can have that today, Lord, and I just pray that you would touch their hearts and let them know that Christ died for them specifically. The price has been paid, and they can, by receiving that gift of Jesus, they can enter into your presence. They can live for you. They can be abundant life for the kingdom for you. And glory through their lives will be directed towards you. God, we acknowledge today that it is, it is all about your glory alone. God, we love you and we thank you so much for who you are for loving us first, and we give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at